Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Welcome those of you that have gathered here today and those of you that are online, a special welcome to the moms here and the moms watching online. Just know that we love you and we hope that you have a great day today. Just a real quick programming note for us. Uh, Today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 and then we're going to take a little break for a little bit and pick up 1 John chapter 5 and we'll complete the book of 1 John in the month of June. Today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 and I've titled this message, Giving Your Love Away. Giving Your Love Away. And uh, that may not make sense right away, but as we move into the message, you'll understand it just a little bit better. Now I think it would be nice if we could trust everyone and what they say. But some people have a way of kind of manipulating the truth. Uh, Did you hear about the the game warden uh, in Maine who walked onto the beach and he found a guy there and he had a fire going and he was cooking a seagull. And the game warden said, hey, you can't do that. You can't eat seagull. And the guy said, hey, I'm I'm homeless and I'm hungry and I, I, I just, I don't think I can go to jail. Can you just overlook it this one time? And the game warden looked at the old man, and he looked at the seagull, and he said, well, I, I guess this, just this one time. And the old man said, oh, man, thank you. I, I, I really am hungry. I've never done this before. I'll never do it again. And as that game warden was walking off, he turned and looked back at the man, and he said, you know what? I've, I've never had seagull. What does seagull taste like? And the old man said, well, it's somewhere between the taste of a snowy spotted owl and the American bald eagle. The game warden was gullible, right? And we can be gullible sometimes when it comes to spiritual claims. Sometimes we believe everything that we hear. And this is what John is going to warn against in 1 John chapter 4, picking up at verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, the interesting thing about the book of John is that he repeats himself over and over. He has this this logic as he writes the book. It's kind of like this spiral where he picks up on a topic and then he comes back around to it. Uh, He's almost like, I think of it like if you're screwing a screw into wood and it just kind of goes deeper and deeper. So he's talking about these topics and then he'll come right back around to it. And he does that with things like righteousness and overcoming the world and sin. And he's doing it here now, once again, with the topic of false teachers, false prophets. We already read about this in 1 John chapter 2. In verse 18, he said, they went out from us, these false teachers, these antichrists, if you will, they went out from us, and it just proves the fact they were never one of us. These were individuals in the church, and just like the parable that Jesus had with the tares and the wheat, sometimes you have within the church those who are truly of the kingdom of God and those who are pretending to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he says, that's what these individuals were doing. They were not ever of us. And then in verse 22, he says, these antichrists are the ones who deny who Jesus is. And so he's coming right back around to that very same topic here. He's saying, we have to be on our guard. We have to test the spirits. And what he's not saying here is that that we need to run around and and test, like, to find, like, a demon and to test the demon. He's talking about individuals. 
there are individuals where we need to test the spirit of where they're coming from. There, there is a demonic influence when it comes to teaching God's word or pointing people to what is eternal. There are doctrines of demons, and those demons influence teachers. And it happens in Christianity, it happens in any religion, anywhere that someone might claim that you can get to God, just be a good person, just do your best, and, and, and God will accept you. The, these are doctrines of demons. They want, to, they want to deny Christ, they want to deceive, they want to distort. And so John says, be on your guard, be on the lookout. It wasn't just then, it continues today, and we need to test the spirits to see whether or not they are a true prophet, a false prophet, a true teacher or not. He goes on, by this, so here's, here's how you're going to know, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This is how we know, the incarnation. And I want you to know, he said who's come in the flesh. He didn't say that Jesus came into flesh. It wasn't as if the Spirit of God just kind of showed up in some human's body. No, Jesus, who is God, became flesh. This is the incarnation that God became man. And so John says the way that you're going to test whether or not you're hearing from somebody who's telling the truth or lying to you and teaching you a deceptive doctrine very well could come from a demon. Satan doesn't care how you get to hell. He just wants you to get there. Right, So anybody who's going to come along and they start denying that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God in the flesh, don't listen to them. If they're going to say Jesus is not fully human and he's not fully God, don't listen to them. So what we're looking at is somebody's Christology. That's a big word. It's a theological term, but it's the study of who Jesus Christ is. And in much broader sense, we need to understand who Jesus is as we're listening to others. Who, who is Jesus and who is this person describing to me? Do they believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he is God? We get a much broader idea as well when we start thinking about what, what do you then believe about the Trinity? Because you're going to have to understand who Jesus is. Is he eternal? What's his relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit? You then need to understand our relationship. Who is man? How are we in relationship to God? So as you're listening to teachers, any teacher, you begin to listen and you begin to pay attention and you start at this place of the incarnation. Who do they say Jesus Christ is? Are they going to say you can just be a good person, work really hard and do these things and work your way to God? Is it going to be a false religion, some other group that's going to come along and say, well, you don't really need Jesus because he's not God in the flesh. That person is a false teacher. That is a false prophet, he says. He goes on. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, it's not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world. So every single person that's going to come along and be like, oh, you don't really need God. You don't really need Jesus Christ. You can get there with whatever religion. Just do your best. You, you can get there by, by just making sure that you're making yourself a better person. You're, you're good. You're good enough. Just have a kind of right attitude. No, he's saying there is something that needs to happen in our lives where we, yes, we have this doctrine, we have this belief, but it just doesn't stay there with that belief. It begins to move into our behavior. How is the one in whom you're listening to, what's their behavior? Are they walking out their Christianity? Before when we were talking about false teachers, I said, after you hear how they talk, 
Watch how they walk. What are they doing with their lives? What kind of life are they living? This is how we can test the spirits, and we need to be very aware of who it is that we're listening to. The way to know, know what is false is by knowing the genuine. And by knowing the genuine, we find that within Scripture. We find it within studying God's Word, and we're listening to the teacher. We're listening to Jesus Christ, and we're paying attention to him. And it's so important to hear and then follow. The following story I want to read to you, it kind of highlights that fact of knowing what you hear and then doing what you know is right. Uh, it comes from a lady by the name of Becky Moore. Becky Moore was a Christian musician, and uh, she shares this story. Becky says, one night as we were packing up after a concert, we sent a young woman to pick up our children from the home that they were staying in. Since the children didn't know her, I told her to give our son Trevor our secret family code word so that he would know she was authorized to pick him up. A little later, I received a phone call. Trevor refused to leave because the woman had given the, the wrong word. The mix-up was on my part, Becky says. I had said to the lady, the code word was dinosaur monster, which my son informed me was incorrect. It's dinosaur, he said. Are you sure? I was certain it was dinosaur monster, I replied. I'm sure, said Trevor confidently. He knew the right word. And even though he was given words that were very close to the real thing, they weren't true. And he knew the difference. Well, okay, son, I carried on. You're probably right, but it's okay for you to come back to the church with this lady. There was silence on the other end of the line. Then Trevor said, who is this? <laughs> we, we need to be that cautious. We, we need to pay attention, filter out what we're hearing. He goes on, he says this in verse four. Little children, you are from God. And have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's good news today. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So what are these tests? Well, first we have the incarnation and then we have regeneration. The one who is in us. This is how we can begin to spot these phonies. The incarnation is the divine God partaking in a sense human nature. And regeneration is our human nature partaking in the divine God. So we, we want to make sure that we're paying attention. What are these people saying? What do they say about who Jesus is? And do I have the spirit of God in me? Because when I have the spirit of God in me and I start to hear things that are not true and are false, I begin to say, well, that... That doesn't pass the smell test, right? There's this little bell that goes off in my head like, no, that's, that's wrong. That is not what I have read. That is not what I have studied. That is not how God has revealed himself to be. He says, little children, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Well, how do you, how do you get to this place? How, how can you get to this place where you're a child of God? Well, this happens through the gospel. How do you get this one who is greater than the world on the inside of you? How do you do that? It's through the gospel. It is understanding who Jesus Christ is. Again, it's having right knowledge of who he is, right doctrine of who he is, and then letting it lead us to this place of repentance and transformation in our behavior. It's this understanding of this good news exists because there once was bad news, and the bad news was all of mankind, every single person has sinned. And we have this wrath hanging over us because we have a holy God who's not just gonna simply wink at sin and say, oh, that's okay, just keep doing what you're 
you're doing live and practice unrighteousness. No, this God in his deep love sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, 100% God, 100% man, and Jesus lives a perfect life. And he said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because the Father and I, we're one. And then Jesus made it really, really exclusive. He said, the only way you get to the Father is through me. It doesn't come through any other religion. It doesn't come through you. It comes through me. Jesus started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn away from your sin and begin to follow me. And then he says, this kingdom is so near. Let me show you what it looks like. And he goes around and he starts healing people. Like people are cured of disease. Dead people come to life showing us, well, that's the kingdom among us. And he's preaching the truth and he's doing it in love. And then he goes to a cross, sinless, perfect. God sacrificed for us, takes on all of my sin, all of your sin upon himself. He died there. He was placed in a tomb, and then three days later on a Sunday, he rose from the dead because he's in the kingdom. And he is proving that he is God, and he has power over death, hell, and the grave. And you can place your faith and your trust in him today, not just simply with knowledge of those facts, but with feet of faith where you begin to walk with Jesus. That's Christ and what he has to offer for your regeneration. That is the biggest transformation that will ever happen in your life. That is the biggest change when you move from death to life. Because before you know Jesus Christ, the Bible says that your spirit is dead. You don't know life until you know Jesus. The biggest change you will ever experience in your life is the moment that you turn in his direction, repent of your sin, and allow him to live his life through you, and you allow his righteousness to fill you. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He goes on. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So this is another way that we can tell who is telling us lies. Where is their revelation coming from? So we have incarnation, we have regeneration, then we have revelation. Well, those who are false teachers, their revelation comes from the world. And so they're just going to talk about everything that the world would want to hear. They're going to have a, a whole bunch of people that are like, well, that sounds good to me. I'm not really interested in repentance and changing my life and holiness. I don't think I like that. I think I'd just like to make myself a little bit better, have a little bit of Jesus, and, and maybe try to get into heaven. So uh, the world has a way of talking to one another. Let's go ahead and make this sound like, oh, yeah, that sounds good, but it doesn't match up with the Word of God. Our revelation comes from the Word of God. That's where we go. And so you have these teachers who come along and they start teaching something from the world and you're like, that's not squaring up with scripture. You are a false teacher. Again, we got to pay attention to this kind of thing. It is the incarnation. It is the regeneration, the revelation. He goes on, he says, we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is how we know. This is how you know whether you're, you're one of the tares or whether you're one of the wheat, whether you're these weeds that are allowed to grow up for a certain period of time until the end or whether or not you are truly in the family of God. He just keeps pounding home this litmus test. In 1 John 5, 13, we write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, how am I gonna know that I have eternal life? He says, if you are practicing righteousness, if you are walking in righteousness, you are turning around from sin, it's not perfection, it's direction, but you continue to 
move in the direction of this holy God and he begins to sanctify you, set you apart. You begin to long for his holiness rather than sin. He is now working in your life. This is one of the tests. The other part of that test is how am I living? Am I living this out? Do I have this love that we're gonna read about? Do I have the love of Christ in me? Do I believe the right thing and do I behave the right way? It is the sign that Christ is in us and that is the assurity that you've been looking for. So that you don't have to fear about the judgment and wrath that is coming, all of that passed away and you know that you know because you believe the gospel that God has revealed to you and you're now walking in truth. Now, I wanna do something. I, I, I want us to shift gears. We're gonna, we're gonna downshift a little bit here, all right? And, and we're gonna turn a corner. And so this is, this is a big change, and that's why I'm setting you up for this. I want you, want you to pay attention because, like, if we're taking a car ride and I'm driving, we're about to turn sharply to the right, and I don't want you to hit your head on the window, all right? So we're going to shift gears because John shifts gears. After talking about discernment, he then begins to talk about the importance of love. It's not, it's not just all this doctrine that we need to understand. We also need to exhibit a new kind of behavior. And so he begins to, to go back again, and we've talked about love before with him, and he's just kind of twisting deeper, going deeper with this truth. And so as we talk about love, I just want to set it up with what we're about to read, with a, a gentleman who went to a zoo. He, he went to go visit the zoo. The zoo was really, really small. And so he's looking at how they've been trying to manage things with a small zoo, and the visitor says to the zookeeper, well, that's amazing, a monkey and a lion in the same cage. How do they get along? Uh, really well, uh, generally, the zookeeper said. But every now and then, they have a dif- disagreement, and we just need to get a new monkey. <laughs> why, why do they need a new monkey? Well, because they got along for a little while, and then the lions started acting like a lion, and as long as lions act like lions, we're always going to need new monkeys. Now hold that thought. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has not been born of God and knows God. Or whoever loves has been born of God, I should say, and knows God. We are called to love one another. It goes on, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. When we talked about this before, it says God is love. It doesn't say love is God. The, the article is on God. The God is love. Love is not God. God is love. It's one of his attributes. And God has a number of attributes. Like we we see God, he is is pure, he is just, he is holy, he is righteous, he is long-suffering. He he is this God who is eternal. And, And we see that he is love, but then we see the same God and we look in the Old Testament and we see many times a God of wrath. That God didn't change between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's still the same God. There is still wrath over sin, but thank God we live now in the New Testament age where we have this opportunity, this window of opportunity to receive the grace of God so that we might escape his judgment. But God is, yes, love. And because God is love, that's part of his character, he gets to define what it is. He gets to set the parameters for what love actually is. So it goes on, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, that word propitiation, it is the appeasement for our sins. It is the satisfaction for our sins. Never needing another sacrifice again in the Old Testament. They kept coming and they had to go year after year and they continually had to bring sacrifices to satisfy the wrath of God for a period of time. Then Jesus Christ comes and he is the complete and total propitiation, appeasement, satisfaction for our sins. But there in verse seven, we read it, love one another. And if you've been reading the Bible or been in church for a little while, you know that the New Testament is just filled with one another's. There's over a hundred one another's in the New Testament. And a third of the time, it talks about loving one another. Why does the New Testament say it so often? Why, why not just say it once and then move on? I think they say it so often because it's such a difficult thing for us to live out, to truly have the love of God, the agape love of God. That doesn't come natural to us. What comes natural to us is it's selfishness not selflessness, not the kind of love that God has completely and totally and perfectly. It doesn't take long as you're observing children to realize that selfishness is kind of built into our DNA and we exhibit it rather quickly. We're not selfless, we're selfish. I remember when I was a a young boy, uh, I didn't have any problems sharing my toys to begin with. Uh, It came easy, I was fine with it until one night Uh, Some older boys broke a brand new toy that I had. We couldn't afford much of anything. This was a nice toy. Uh, I think it was one that I could kind of ride on and enjoy. I had it for a day or two, and then the the big boys, they broke it. And after that night, it became much, much harder to share. That's us. We, We tend to lean into selfishness rather than selflessness because if we don't grab a hold of God's call to love, his command to love one another, then we're just kind of slip right back into our old ways, right back into our own DNA. It's like that lion in the cage at the zoo. As long as the lion lives in us, there will always be a need for new monkeys. There will always be those chew them up and spit them out kind of moments in our life when we don't appropriate the love of God. And I would have to say, just before you like, to my shame, there have been moments like that where I have not always been kind and shown the love of God. And, And when we have that in our life, when our heart isn't in the right place and we aren't revealing and reflecting the character of Jesus Christ in love, Uh, When that happens, we become a little bit like these two sisters that I heard about. Uh, It was an eight-year-old sister and a six-year-old sister, and they'd been fighting just like all day long. And they were still mad at one another as they got ready for bed. And as usual, uh, they knelt down beside their beds to pray, and their mom was standing in the doorway. And the eight-year-old began her prayers. Dear God, bless mommy and daddy and our kitty and our doggy. And then she stopped. And then her mom said, hey, didn't you forget somebody? At that point, the eight-year-old glared across the bed at her six-year-old sister, and she said, and oh, yes, God bless my ex-sister. That's like us. That's like us when we forget this command to let the love of God live through us so that we give his love away to others. John goes on, he says this in verse 11, beloved, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us with all of our shortcomings, with all of our failings, with all of our filthy sins, surely we can love somebody else. Surely we can show forgiveness and grace and mercy to others when we realize how much God has forgiven us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
It's almost as if uh, people can't see God, but when we love, they are seeing God. Like we, we don't see God physically in front of us, but when you watch the church, when you watch brothers and sisters and they're extending love and grace to one another, and you're like, I think I see God in this moment. It begins to soften hearts. It says in verse 13, by this we know that we abide or remain in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we, verse 14, we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Reminds me of Romans 10, 9, where it says, if we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And when we are saved, his spirit takes up residence in us. John said, the seed of God abides in us. And who is God? God is love. And that love is then transplanted into our own hearts for us to live it out. And so God repeats it over and over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. Have you heard it yet? Love one another. And he has to say it over and over because we take Jesus' words in John 13, 34, where he says, love one another as I have loved you to mean love one another as they love you back. Our love is conditional so often. Like, I'll go ahead and love you. What do you have for me? And he says, I want you to love as I have loved. The Bible says this, John goes on, verse 16. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Six times in five verses, abide. Remain in him. Allow him to remain in you. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Don't you want a surety? Don't you want assurance that you can stand before the Lord in that moment and know he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. We're gonna know that how we are living out this love. By this is the love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also we are in this world. So we're to be like him. We're to be like Jesus Christ right here, right now, him living his life through us. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also shall appear with him in glory. Jesus, you are my life. And right now, I want to live as you lived. I want your character in me. Who, who was Jesus? What was he doing? Well, he is very loving, and he spoke the truth in love, and he did not back down. He gave uh, just great obedience to his father. He had great sacrifice. He was generous. I mean, there, Jesus Christ, there once was a carpenter who didn't overcharge for finish work. There, there once was a physician who healed people for free. There once was an individual who just gave hungry people food at no charge. And interestingly, do you know what they did with him? Yeah, they crucified him. They killed him. And so I just want to remind you, when Jesus says, love as I have loved you, that there may be times in your Christian walk where you feel taken advantage of. You feel taken for granted and overlooked. Kind of like a mom. <laughs> That's just natural. They did it to Christ. They'll do it to us. And when that happens, when you keep giving your love away and you keep showing the love of Jesus Christ and the world hates you and other people take advantage or they didn't treat you the way that you wanted, you need to love regardless. You need to continue to love as the one who is embedded in your heart the one who abides in you, love one another as I have loved you. He goes on. Verse 18, 
There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected. So we've got this love of God. It is in our hearts. We've been transformed. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I'm living this out, and I realize that when I get to heaven, the proof of this fact that I have a regenerated life has a trail of love behind me, and I'm not afraid to stand before the Father because I know the grace and love of my Savior. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. John, that's not nice. Well, why would, he, why would he hold that back? Why would he say, no, you just go ahead and live any way that you want. You don't need to worry about this proof of understanding whether or not you are in Christ. He says, you keep saying you're a Christian, but I don't see it because you're not loving your brother. The world hates your brother. Are you a believer? Do you have Christ in you? He says, you'll love your brother. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment, We have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So here's what we have. We we understand the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. He's called us to himself. We just love the truth of his word. And now we are being regenerated by him. And that regeneration is causing this love in our hearts. And and it gets poured into our hearts. And then it gets spilled out on others. We're not just praying, God, bless me, bless me, love me, love me, and then not giving it away. If you do that kind of thing, and you just keep storing up God's love for yourself, and you never give it away, you won't be blessed any further. But when you and I have the love of God being poured into our redeemed hearts, and then we're finding every way we can to just give it away, now we're ready to be filled again. And it's just this reciprocal kind of love. What we find in this moment is that God gives us the power to do that. It's not based on what you can do for me. I'm just going to love you. I'm going to love you because I have the love of Christ in me. This is what God has called us to. And we can give our love away again and again and again. And it never, like, ends. The love of God is limitless, and he'll continue to pour it into our hearts so that we can keep giving it away. And when we feel slighted, and we will, when when we don't have things going our way, and that'll happen, we just keep on loving We just keep on having the character of Christ, even when we don't get something that we want in return. Because this love, this love is altruistic. This love is unconditional. This love, we just give away, not expecting anything in return. This is God's love poured out into our hearts. I wanna wanna close with this. It's a great illustration. I mean, we know it when we see it, don't we? Like, we know love when we see it, when it's just genuine. There's an example of this in the book by um, Dale Galloway called Dream a New Dream. And he writes this. Little Chad was a shy and quiet young fella. One day he came home and told his mother he'd like to make a valentine for everyone in his class. Her heart sank. She thought, oh, I wish he wouldn't do that. Because she had watched the children when they walked home from school. Her Chad was always behind them. They laughed and hung on to each other and talked to each other. But Chad was never included. She knew he wouldn't be getting any valentines. Nevertheless, she decided that she would go along with her son. So she purchased the paper and the glue and the crayons, and for three whole weeks, night after night, Chad painstakingly made 35 valentines. Valentine's Day dawned, and Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully stacked his valentines up, put them in a bag, and bolted out the door. His mom decided that 
She'd bake him his favorite cookies and serve them up warm and nice with a cool glass of milk. That way, when he came home from school, he'd have it. She just knew he would be disappointed. Maybe that would ease the pain a little bit. It hurt her to think that he wouldn't be getting many Valentines, maybe none at all. That afternoon, she had the cookies and the milk on the table, and then she heard the children outside, and she looked out the window, and sure enough, here they came, laughing and having the best time, and as always, there was Chad in the rear. He walked a little faster than usual. She fully expected him to burst into tears as soon as he got inside, and she noticed right away his arms were empty. And when the door opened, she choked back the tears, and she said, Mommy has some warm cookies and milk for you. But he hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by, and all he could say was, Not a one, not a one. And her heart sank. And then he added, I didn't forget a one. Not a one. That's the heart we need. The heart of a servant. Who says, In this world... I'm going to be like Christ. I'm going to love with the love that Christ has poured into my heart, and I will look for every way that I can give my love to others. Let's pray. Father, the only way to accomplish this kind of love is to have a redeemed, transformed heart, and that is why you came, so that we might be transformed from the inside out. We thank you that you are love. You have shown us what love is by moving in our direction, sending your son, Jesus Christ, taking on our sins, rising from the grave, ascending to heaven. And Lord Jesus, you're coming back one day until you come back. We, your people, pray that we would continually to find ways to give our love away, pour your love into our hearts and allow us, Father, to let that spill out on others around us. Thank you for your love. Help us to live in it and share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.